0: Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our August hot centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living, digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. August theme is inspiring words to wrap up summer. By the way, our September's edition will be live this weekend with the theme, fall, a season of reflection and reset. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our kitchen table conversation today, my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be talking about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Get Out of Your Comfort Zone, 101 stories about trying new things, overcoming fear, and broadening your world. Good morning, Amy. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today?
1: I am great. Thanks for having me on. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, stepping outside your comfort zone.
0: Awesome. I can tell you this much. After reading the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone, 101 Stories About Trying New Things, Overcoming Fear, and Broadening Your World is an empowering read. The stories are very inspiring and perfect to energize us to get going into this fall and beyond and expand our bubble of quiet confidence. So congratulations on this release.
1: Thanks. And you know, you're right about fall being a good time to try something new, because I always feel like Labor Day weekend is like the second new year,
2: <laughs> you know, we all do resolutions
1: in January, but yeah. don't you feel, we're all so attuned to summer ending or, you know, the academic calendar, even if we yeah. are in school or don't have kids in school, but Labor Day really does feel like a fresh start. Mm-hmm. So it would be a good time to do like a mini New Year's resolution, you know, <laughs> and come up with something new. I would propose getting out of your comfort zone, making a concerted effort to do that would be a great New Year's resolution, you know, for, for, mm-hmm. for starting the fall.
0: Yes, definitely. No question about it. Well, what is the inspiration behind Chicken Soup getting out of your comfort zone?
1: So this came about because when I turned 50,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, my last child went off to college So we were finally empty nesters and we were buying Chicken Soup for the Soul, which was a complete change for for me because I had been operating in the world of finance and technology and board memberships and executive leadership and all of that. I had been doing all of that before. And then I was looking at making this complete change in my life to becoming a book editor and book publisher And even though that sounds like I was really good at stepping outside my comfort zone, I have to say that in a way I was kind of stuck. Like there was a new movie theater that opened up in the town next to ours and everybody was raving about this movie theater and stadium seating and IMAX. And it was just a great movie theater, so much better than the old style one that we had in our town. And Mm -hmm. My husband and I didn't go to it because we didn't know where you would park when you got there and how the parking worked (laughs) and if you had to like go to one of those kiosks and buy a ticket. So we didn't go to the fabulous new movie theater. And then I realized this is ridiculous. We're by accident narrowing our world, you know? And I said, I said to him, we have to start doing everything new. So we started Like shopping at a grocery store we'd never been to before. So we Mm -hmm. would be forced to go down aisles that we weren't familiar with and maybe come across foods we had never seen before. Mm -hmm. And we started trying new foods. And we just tried to get into this new mode of saying yes to new things, different things, things that were slightly scary. And it really energized our lives. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that stepping outside your comfort zone is one of the keys to happiness, because when you do step out your comfort outside your comfort zone, you feel a little bit proud
2: mm-hmm. and
1: energized and a little more powerful. So when it came time to picking topics for Chicken Soup for the Soul, I realized we were getting a lot of stories from people for our other books where – You know, the sub-theme was they were talking about doing some kind of experience where they stepped outside their comfort zone. So we actually, I guess six years ago, put out a book called Step Outside Your Comfort Zone. And then we did another book a year after that called The Power of Yes. And then we've been exploring the topic in our other books ever since. Like it was one of the keys to happiness in my book from last year called Your Ten Mm -hmm. Keys to Happiness. And then I thought, you know what, people write about this really well, and we get thousands of stories submitted on this topic, so obviously it's a topic that people want to read about also, so I thought, let's just do another book about why we did get out of your comfort zone. And by the way, we got so many great stories submitted for this book that, you know, I end up, I always go through the stories, like we get thousands of stories, we have people who read the stories, editors who read the stories, Mm and it's narrowed down to several hundred stories for me to choose from. Well, this time I chose 200 stories instead of 100 stories. (laughs) I I ended up making 21 chapters. Um, And I said, we're going to do Get Out of Your Comfort Zone, and then we're going to do another book next year, which I happen to be editing right now called Mm -hmm. Chicken Soup for the Soul just because these stories are so good and they are so inspiring. I think you can't read this without coming away saying, you know what? I'm going to go and try a new grocery store or I'm going to download a new app. I've never tried before. (laughs) You know, I'm going to watch a channel on TV. I never watched before. I'm going to go on that camping trip that I was reluctant to go on because I don't like to be dirty or whatever.
2: Right. But I right. think
1: I think you've come away from reading these stories realizing how much stepping outside your comfort zone helps people and makes them happier. Right. And then you decide, oh, I want to do that myself.
0: Right, right. That's true, though. And obviously, in your situation, years in the financial world, and all of a sudden, the flip side happened, right? And you were talking about like, oh, my gosh. It's almost like, okay life is different. It's like moving to a new neighborhood, so to speak. Yeah,
1: it's a totally different thing. Absolutely. Right,
0: right. Yeah, so it's a total flip. But having said that, in today's world, it's perfect timing because in reading your book, what came to mind for me was the things that I went through in the past that we take it for granted because we just live life. But then when we look back, the decisions we made that this kind of, mm, let's do it anyway, and then we did it, and ta-da, you know, it's the old, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, I think uh, uh, Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher says, you know, journey of a thousand miles begin with the first step, and just take the first step, and then the other step will uh, happen to appear, <laughs> you take it, you take it, and then here you go, <laughs> you're on this journey.
1: Yeah, it's true, and what's cool about stepping outside your comfort zone is you could start off doing little things, you know, like trying a new food, shopping at a new grocery store, downloading a new app to your phone. And then you can work your way up. You know, you can do those things and feel that little shot of dopamine that you get from trying something (laughs) new. And then you could say, all right, I'm going to go to that clay pottery class. That I was reluctant to go to because I don't know anybody there, you know, or whatever it is. I'm going to go and speak to that neighbor who I've never spoken to. Maybe she could be a new friend. But Mm -hmm. what happens is when you start with little things, and then those go well, then you try some more little things, then you start working yourself up to medium things, and then before you know it, you're doing big things like taking a class or flying to a faraway country, learning a new language to use in that country. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely builds on itself. You kind of exercise that muscle. And before you know it, you're this really interesting person who is known for always being willing to try something new. You're that fun person. And then people will come to you, and all of a sudden you'll be invited to go to the concert (laughs) in the park because you're viewed as that fun person who will do something new. So we we get a lot of stories from people who say that they made a conscious decision Mm
0: -hmm. and they
1: said, okay, for the whole summer, I'm going to say yes to new things. Or for one year, I'm going to say, I'm going to do new things. I'm going to try to do 50 new things in (laughs) that year for my 50th birthday or whatever it is. But they say it absolutely changes them as people. And the cool thing is they do become known as people who will try new things. And then they start getting invitations and opportunities arise. And all of a sudden, somebody who was a little bit of a stick in the mud is now <laughs> this really interesting person who feels energetic and wakes up every day knowing that something new and fun is going to happen.
0: Right, right. Well, the book is beautifully designed. I love the cover and I love the clipboard Chekhov approach before each chapter, and that's just fascinating. Tell us a little bit about that and also the chapters that you guys covered. It's excellent, truly excellent.
1: Oh, sure. Well, you know, the cover, what we always try to do is pick something that will represent, you know, a sense of adventure to people. So that's why we show a woman rock climbing, you know, with that Mm -hmm. rope on her so that if she falls, she doesn't get hurt. I mean, it looks pretty scary. The only time I've done rock climbing is in a gym. And that was stepping outside my comfort zone. And I couldn't even move the next day. I was so (laughs) sore from using muscles I never knew I had.
2: Right, right. So
1: that's what the cover is about. And then the little checklist that we put at the beginning of each chapter, it's just, it's it's like a clipboard that has a list of things you should try. So one of them is try avocado. One of them is go ziplining. Well to the sign up for art class. and there's make a new friend, run a 5K, buy a bathing suit. That's <laughs> stepping outside your comfort zone for a lot of people. And so we just showed that somebody checked off a couple of the items on their list. But the idea was to encourage people to make your own list of things that you could try, big things and little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chapters, what I did with the chapters when I said each chapter is going to basically be a command, right? So
2: Mm -hmm. it's a command
1: to the reader. So one chapter is called Reinvent Yourself. And all the stories in there are about people who did (laughs) just that. And then another chapter is Face Your Fears. Uh, Chapter three is Believe in Yourself. That's really important. You've got to trust in yourself in order to do these new things. Chapter four is called Challenge Yourself. Chapter five is try something new. Chapter six is be daring. Chapter seven is follow your dreams because sometimes you've had this dream forever, this passion you want to pursue, but you have to step outside your comfort zone to do that. Chapter eight is called go far away and that chapter is filled with stories about travel. Chapter nine is just say yes, you know, make that policy of saying yes Chapter 10 is put yourself out there. You know, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, run that committee. You're putting yourself out there, kind of scary, but you, know, you feel like you're a little alone when you put yourself out there. But then you see what happens and it actually works out. And then Chapter 11 is called reach out and connect. You know, make, make those new friends, make those new connections with other human beings. Those are all the chapters. I really feel like our readers are going to be empowered and energized when they read this and start doing some of these things themselves. And since we have 101 different ways you could step outside your comfort zone in
2: Mm -hmm. our
1: 101 stories, there's going to be a lot of things that give people ideas like, Oh, I should try that too. You know? (laughs) So I think, I think that most people like are very receptive to this idea and are on the verge of doing it and just need a little push and this would be a great book to give to somebody who you know has by accident been letting their life get narrower and narrower and i've seen it happen to people in their 20s it can mm-hmm. happen at any age
2: right it's not like right. it
1: only happens when you get older and in fact it would be really nice to to get somebody in their teens or twenties to read this book so that they start down a path in their life as an adult where they do consciously step outside Mm -hmm. their comfort zone on a regular basis.
0: Right, right. It's true though. And I love the chapter title simply because in itself, it's very empowering to give you an example would be like be daring. I recall time when I was, just about to get into ballroom dancing, right, because I was recruited, I was, I've always liked ballroom dancing, right, but I never tried it, because like me, are you kidding me, and then especially a guy dancing ballroom, (laughs) it's one thing just going out to parties and just move around, and then when I met my ballroom instructor mom, she asked me, do you want to dance, or you want to dance, Uh, of course, me being an idiot said, well, uh, what's the difference, and she said, well, if you want to dance, I'll show you some patterns that you can go anywhere. You can do your thing kind of stuff uh, if you want to dance. And she kind of stretched her arms out uh, in this beautiful posture, left uh, leaning posture in the waltz position. I said, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. And turned out to be in five days after doing that with her, like you were talking about, my whole body was sore. I had to go lift weights and get into shape because it was kind of embarrassing. Here I'm in my early 30s, and here she's in the 60s. I can't keep up with her. And the funny part about it, I just had finished my back belt in Tang Soo <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, you must have been in really good shape, and, and still ballroom dancing made you sore. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, you know, because we're using, you had mentioned just now about climbing, uh, rock climbing, it used different muscles. If you want to do it right, that is so that is just amazing and the idea is being daring just go for it and see what happens and that's what the beauty of it so so well, my husband so,
1: and I have been talking about going and taking ballroom dancing classes mm-hmm. we haven't done it yet but I'm totally oh. willing it's just that he works so much I know we would oh. end up just missing the you know the lessons in the evenings after yeah. work yeah, we would end yeah. up just not showing up. So I have to wait for him to have a better work <laughs> schedule.
0: <laughs> You'd be surprised. I think once y'all get into it, you're going to be hooked. Because it's something that, oh, it's exactly like what you were talking about in the very, uh, in the book, in the very chapters here. Because what happens is that once you taste it, uh-oh, <laughs> it changes the dynamics a little bit. And that's the... Uh, the, the enthusiasm itself will take over from that perspective. Let's talk about the various chapters. It's fascinating. We've got so many chapters to cover, so many stories, and I've selected some, and I know you have some favorites as well. So uh, let's start with Chapter 1, Reinventing Yourself. And the story that I really like is Fear is the Doorway. And this is interesting enough. It's by a guy, Mark Reckvey.
1: Yeah, and Mark has written dozens of stories that we've published in various Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um,
1: And he happens to be uh, a writer uh, by profession. So he wrote about how fear fueled his move outside his comfort zone. And it it took him decades, actually, to figure out what his gift was and how to use it. Mm -hmm. He had always loved movies. And as a child, he had dreamed about making a movie of his own but he wasn't the most academically inclined student, so it never occurred to him that he could actually become a screenwriter. I mean, he did try it when he was 14. He submitted a piece of writing for the journal at school, and he got in. Um, But he never really had the self-confidence to become a professional writer, and so he worked at many other jobs, none of them related to writing. And then what happened was a job that, he didn't like, but which paid well, disappeared when his company went out of business. And he thought, well, maybe I should actually go for it now. And during that time, he had been submitting stories to Chicken Soup for the Soul, and they were being accepted. So he was starting to build some self-confidence. So then after his job disappeared, this composer that he had worked with asked him if he would be interested in writing the script for a Western TV series and they wrote 12 episodes together and that TV show wasn't ever made because that happens in Hollywood. You could have something Mm. totally done. It could be greenlit and it still doesn't end up happening, but that led to more writing and the creation of a film company. And now Mark officially is a screenwriter and he calls himself that. And, He says that when he began to define himself as a writer and a producer and a production company owner, when he began to make connections and receive help, he just had to say that he was that. He had to have Mm -hmm. the confidence to say, I am those things. And so now his production company has received funding for its first feature film. And he says in his story, I achieved my goals not only because I walked through fear repeatedly, but because I embraced it as a doorway to, to, to knowledge and achievement. And he doesn't really regret the decades it took for him to make it because now he's using all of the emotions he felt during those decades
2: mm-hmm. in his
1: writing. And so he says, when I write a character who's frustrated or, or heartbroken, I'm not faking it because he went through all those years, you know, doing work he didn't right. enjoy. Um, so anyway, I thought that was interesting. It showed, I, what I thought was the most interesting was the fact that once he developed the self-confidence to redefine himself, that's when he started making all the connections. And that's why I made that the first story
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the chapter called Reinvent Yourself. And, and in fact, Mark's story was the first one in the book.
0: Right, right. I love it because you're right. When you sort of declare yourself, I am this person, it's some something happened within you that just, okay, you're taking charge, you're taking command, you're taking ownership. And so the dynamics change. And I love the story in terms of the whatever you share is experiential experiences that he has encountered so he's real it's not a makeup deal
1: yes he used everything in his life uh, to become a better screenwriter now so Mm -hmm. he doesn't regret the years that he didn't like his job or was disappointed with things because all of that is contributing to him being a better writer
0: Mm -hmm. so true well chapter two face your fears and this is a wonderful story the birds by linda morrell
1: So this story is a great example of exposure therapy, and I am a big fan of exposure therapy, where you deliberately expose yourself to something that you're afraid of. Like, let's say you're terrified of bugs, so you force yourself to touch a picture of a bug, you know, on the cover of National Geographic or on Wikipedia. Right, And then, you know, you, you just force yourself with more and more exposure to whatever it is that you're afraid of until you get better at handling it. So in Linda's case, she had a fear of birds. And having a fear of birds really has an impact on your life, and it's not good. Like one time, she intentionally walked in front of a car that was driving just because she was trying to avoid pigeon she almost got herself killed just to avoid a bird and she said she had this lifelong fear of birds and her mother said it started when she was an infant she would cry if a bird flew past her baby carriage she hated the sounds of birds chirping
2: which is crazy Mm -hmm.
1: right that's a that's a wonderful sound she avoided bird cages even though she knew the birds couldn't get out then she watched Alfred Hitchcock's film the birds on television Mm -hmm. And that, of course, made her feel like she was completely justified in being afraid of birds. Well, when Linda was 40, still afraid of birds, she took her 12-year-old daughter to the beach, and these seagulls tried to grab their sandwiches, and her daughter was snapping her towel at the gulls to make them go away while Linda was just sitting there whimpering, doing nothing to help. And then came that day when she was, 50, when she almost got hit by a car avoiding that pigeon. (laughs) And she says in her story that she realized that her phobia had turned dangerous. Mm -hmm. She had to learn how to coexist with birds. And so she talked to a friend who was a psychiatrist, and he told her about exposure therapy and how to do it. And he recommended that she start by spending one second in the presence of a bird, one whole second. And then he said, start with that one second, and then go on to two seconds, and keep increasing the amount of time, and eventually you'll get to a full minute. So Linda felt she had no choice, so she saw a robin in a tree, and she forced herself to stand still and look at the robin in the tree for a few seconds before she fled. And then when she got up to a minute of being exposed to a bird, she gave herself some chocolate as a reward. (laughs) One day, she was doing so well with this exposure therapy, she actually walked into the center of a group of sparrows that were pecking at something on the sidewalk. And the birds scattered, and she realized, oh, my gosh, they're more afraid of me than I am of them. She got better, and better. And then a few years later, she and her husband went on safari in Kenya, and much to mm-hmm. her surprise, she loved all the exotic birds that they saw there. And now she and her husband live on a lake in Florida, and she sees <laughs> egrets and herons right.
2: and
1: cranes mm-hmm. and ducks and ibises. And she realizes that she's actually turned into a bird lover.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. exposure therapy really works. It's terrific.
0: That's beautiful. That's really a beautiful story. And it's an empowering story. It reminded me when I was growing up, actually, we had two birds in the house, actually. My mom loves taking care of nursing birds that by accident injured themselves. And she would pick them up. And of course, they're in cages, but then she would let them out. And so the birds will fly in the house. I'm not kidding you. And then somehow the birds know how to fly into their cages. That's the puzzling thing. (laughs) It's like a good night time. Okay, you know, it's time to go back to the cage. It's really interesting. And so I just, it, it, and it's just, it's just fun. It's just like, okay, it's just like one of us kind of things. My sister and I, when we were growing up, very, very interesting. Chapter three, Believe in Yourself, The Candy Counter by Kristen Winnegar.
1: Kristen was so shy in high school that the other kids would actually comment about it if she spoke. And she wasn't much better in college. She was still very, very quiet Mm -hmm. until she got a job in retail. It was at a gift shop that sold everything from candles to greeting cards. And the manager had her stationed at the service counter. But Kristen wasn't very good at wrapping gifts, so then they moved her to the candy counter. Mm -hmm. And there, of course, she had to talk to people they would come up to the candy counter to order stuff. And so she was terrified and wanted to cry. <laughs> but she soldiered on, talking to customers, and if they came up to the candy counter and asked where something else was in the store, she would guide them to the right part of the store. And then she found herself, if the candy counter was slow, she found herself actually approaching customers to see if she could help them in other departments. And then she started establishing friendships with her coworkers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And eventually she left that job and got one at an art museum. And because it was a museum, there were strangers in there all the time, all the people who were coming into the museum. <laughs> and so she learned how to interact with strangers, you know, every hour of every day. But she found she was way more comfortable with that. And when she mentioned to her new coworkers that she had been painfully shy at some point in her Mm -hmm. past they just couldn't believe it
0: (laughs) I relate to that story when I first started working in the restaurant industry I was stationed just for a few days just for the heck of it like you were talking about breaking the ice right as the front door greeter well guess what you got to say hello to everybody
2: (laughs) that is true
0: (laughs) you got not much of a choice and you Before you know it, you connect because that's when the genuine you roll out and the genuine them roll out as well and you meet and you connect from that perspective. So I totally understand that. Do you have a story that you really like uh, in Chapter 5, for example?
1: Um, Well, yeah, this is another one about somebody who had a problem with being shy. I mean, Mandy Shannara was so introverted that she didn't even want to see the UPS man.
2: When he delivered a
1: package to her porch, (laughs) she hid so that he wouldn't see her. And she always avoided seeing people when getting her mail or packages. Like when she lived in an apartment, she would wait until no one else was at the mailboxes before she would go and get her mail. Mm -hmm. And now that she was living in a house, she had to avoid the mail carrier and the UPS man. And even when she ordered food, so she caused a food delivery person to come to her house to drop off the food. She would hide and avoid the food delivery person. But then she said she also loved books and she couldn't wait to build a little free library at her house. And her husband said, well, if you put a little free library, you know, that's that box on a pole where you Mm -hmm. put like used books and people come and they put in a book, they take out a book. Her husband pointed out to her that if she put one of those in their yard, people would be coming. Strangers,
2: neighbors
1: (laughs) would be coming to put a book in, take a book out. Yeah. Well, she decided to do it anyway and just avoid the people. Mm -hmm. But then she would get intercepted. She would be running down to the Little Free Library and then there would be somebody there. So she would have to talk to somebody. And she started talking to neighbors and delivery people And she says now she stopped hiding because she discovered she enjoys having these discussions.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So she stepped out of her old comfort zone, or maybe we should call it her discomfort zone. (laughs) And now she steps into a life where she can make meaningful connections with people in her community. So what a wonderful change for her.
0: Wow. I mean, that's amazing. That truly is. And again, that's part of, actually what's interesting is when you mentioned from that perspective, she's just expanding her house out a little bit more <laughs> to the yard and able to reach out and what she's good at, the books that she loves. And so it works up very, very well. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixed Cloud, Pod Chaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our August, heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for a Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor in chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Get out of your comfort zone. 101 Stories About Taking, Trying New Things, Overcoming Fear, and Broadening Your World. Amy, let's talk about some of the other inspiring and empowering stories in the book. Chapter 6, for example, I love this story. And the title of the entire chapter is Be Daring. And the story is A Call to Action by Karen Bernatus.
1: So, Karen Bernatis did something that was really scary. She was on a flight to Iceland, and she heard this man behind her berating a young woman who was sitting behind her. She couldn't even see the young woman, but she heard this man just being awful. And the woman was crying, and the man was going on and on about all her faults. He was just horrible and abusive. Well, he finally got up to go to the bathroom, and Karen decided to take action, She wrote a note to the girl who was sitting behind her on her cocktail napkin because she was looking for some kind of piece of paper and she told the girl, you're being abused, you have to get out of this relationship. She passed it back to her through the seat. She never even saw the young woman. She just heard her and Karen felt that she was taking some personal risk because this guy was so scary so she put her email on the note but not her phone number and a year later, Karen got an email from the girl's mother, and the email said that this young woman was on the path finally to saving herself. And there had actually been physical abuse from this man in addition to the verbal abuse. And the man was actually threatening her life over and over again. And it took a lot of therapy and false starts, but that young woman finally got out of that relationship. And she says that Karen's note started that process for her. So the interesting thing is that how did I get the story from Karen about what she did on the airplane? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually appeared on that young woman's podcast. Her name's Laura Owens. Mm-hmm. She has a podcast with her mother, Jan Black. It's called Nobody Told Me. And it's often the number one self-help podcast, uh, according to Apple. And so I've been on their podcast, and then I learned that Laura actually did a TEDx talk about the fact that Karen passed her that cocktail napkin and set her on the path to getting away from her abuser. And she talks about how he abused her and how she finally got up the courage to leave that relationship. So I asked her to write that story for the 30th anniversary edition of Chicken Soup to the Soul. So that story is in the book that we put out in June for our 30th anniversary. Then I got in touch with Karen and said, Karen, you definitely stepped outside your comfort zone to write that message on the cocktail napkin. Would you give me that story for our book about getting outside your comfort zone? And so that's how I got Karen's story, but also have the story from the young woman who was being abused in our prior book.
0: It's an amazing story. And these are the things that sometimes it's very difficult to ignore. Uh, It triggers where a situation where, you know, do you stand up for something that you know what's right and what's wrong? And in reading that story respectfully, I remember the first time that I got into that sort of that situation where you got to decide to do or not to do when I was 15 years old and among friends, uh, Apparently, a group of them decided to join a gang. And also in the soccer game that we have, uh, they were picking on one of our other friends. And so it got to a point where it was got to be real dangerous because they could have hurt this other our friend here by kicking him in the shin uh, without the ball. So you can break someone's leg that way, right? So I got to a point where I stood up. Of course, in this situation, it was like, dramatic way everybody knows and I just stood up and just say, wait a minute now, Uh, this isn't going to happen anymore. Uh, If you want anything, stop. You know, I'm here. I'm defending this guy. And so anyway, without going off in the tangent here, but it's a, I don't know, it just takes a a huge guts to to do something like that. And uh, kudos to Karen for doing what she did. Exactly. It's amazing. Do you have another story in this chapter that you like, Be Daring?
1: Yeah, so this chapter, you know, Be Daring, we have other stories that are lighter. Mm -hmm. And one of them is from Allison Lynn. And um, it's called Singing for Strangers. And it's about her move outside her comfort zone. She loved to sing, and she was good at it. She actually joined her first choir at age five. She always was happy to be hidden in the second row. She liked singing, but (laughs) as, you know, one of many people, she wasn't interested in doing solos. Mm -hmm. But then when she was in junior high, the choir director asked her to sing a solo in the Christmas concert, and she was terrified. But her parents convinced her to do it, and her mother helped her prepare. And then on the way to school for the concert, she freaked out. And she got on that stage and she performed her solo, and she didn't even know how it had gone until this woman afterwards sought her out and told her how great she was. Well, that woman who praised her had planted a seed that began to grow, and over the next few years, Allison sang more and more solos. And by the time she got to college, she knew that she wanted to be a professional singer, and she is now. She and her musician husband put out nine albums. They've gotten all kinds of awards. They've done all kinds of national concert tours in Canada. So she stepped outside her comfort zone and completely changed her life by pursuing her passion.
0: Wow. And all it needs is a little encouragement and it just take off. Amazing. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Chapter 7. Follow Your Dreams. This is another chapter title that's just amazing. Getting My Wings by Carla Brown.
1: Yeah, so Carla, at age 50, applied for a job with U.S. Airways as a flight attendant. And she had always wanted to be a flight attendant, but she had always just thought she wasn't good enough or other people would be accepted and she wouldn't be. So anyway, she went through this interview at the Philadelphia International Airport and she thought, oh, they're never going to pick me because I'm one of the oldest applicants here. <laughs> Everyone else seems younger and better dressed and more attractive. But She made it through and they offered her a spot. So she went off to flight attendant training in Virginia and then one of her classmates showed her like how to do her hair and how to put on makeup and that gave her a confidence boost. And she just couldn't believe it when she graduated from flight attendant school, and um, and she went on to be a flight attendant. Her confidence grew with every trip, and she says, "I haven't achieved all my dreams, but this career made me proud. I'll forever cherish my flying days when I wore my silver wings with pride and joy." So, never too late to follow your dreams.
0: Definitely. I mean, I love that story because the fact that, respectfully, she's 50 years old. I mean, are you wanting to go back to work, especially under those circumstances? But this is perfect. She's traveling the world or traveling from cities to cities, you know, and having a good time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, U.S. Airways, she might have been flying from Philadelphia to Charlotte over and over again, but but she was flying. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, but there's an opportunity there. For something to happen where it's, it's just there and, and each trip is an adventure, so to speak, I guess. That would be the best way to put it. <laughs> Chapter 8, Go Far Away. And this is a lovely story. My Irish Adventure by Brittany Sernick.
1: Yeah, and I know you're really into this, having been a young person who left <laughs> Malaysia as a teenager and moved to a strange new country with new culture, a new language, et cetera. So yeah. Brittany, she moved to Ireland when she graduated from college. She had a degree in journalism, but she couldn't find any jobs. And she was working at a job that she hated, and she had no social life. And so she thought, I'll go be an au pair for a year in Ireland. And I guess she wasn't really learning a new language, although it's sometimes hard to understand Irish, right, if you're an American English <laughs> speaker. But anyway, she um, she went to Ireland, and during that year, she went on sightseeing trips all by herself. She walked into pubs and clubs alone, but she made new friends. She gained a new family, her au pair family. And then three months after returning to the United States, she met the man who would become her husband, and she says that she could never have even started talking to him if she hadn't developed her new self confidence during her year away. She says in Ireland found the person I was always meant to be. So, and that's why we have that chapter about travel because it is Mm -hmm. so important to discovering who you are, realizing what you're capable of doing. Travel is just so stimulating and, you know, somewhat scary. Um, but broadens your world so much and really does turn you into a person who is more interesting and also more interested in the world.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's very, very true. I remember growing up as a kid. I mean, we use words have power, right? People always say, well, go for it, do this, do that. And the word that came to mind is curiosity. All of us are curious, but, Believe me, I'm not that curious. Life is good. Just stay where it is. But when I came to the United States with things happening around me and so forth, curiosity became the lead for me. It's that flashlight, that sort of, all right, just go. Let's find out what's going on. And so that's what it's all about. So I speak about curiosity now as being the fuel to kind of get us, get out of our comfort zone, so to speak. And that leads us to Chapter 9. Do you have a story that you really like in this chapter?
1: Well, I really believe in this idea about making a policy of just saying yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And
1: so um, Tori Wagner Hendricks did that, and she talks about it in her story, which is called Yes Day. So she and three of her friends were on vacation at a Mexican resort, and they were looking at all the different activities that they could do. And they each had things they wanted and didn't want to do. And so they were having trouble choosing activities for all four of them to do. And so Tori said, you know what, let's just have a yes day. <laughs> let's just say yes to it all. Every activity, whether it's in our comfort zone or not, let's eat whatever we, whatever is presented to us. You know, let's do mm-hmm. all the activities. And so what they did was they went target shooting. Then they went zip lining. They did karaoke. They did dancing. They did everything because it was yesterday. And they were so elated and fulfilled at the end of the day because they had done all of these new and different things.
0: It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. It's very empowering. That's the whole idea. Just do it, basically. like what Nike would say. (laughs) And in this chapter, the one that I really like the story is Volunteered by Marie Palachek. And this is a wonderful, wonderful story. It's about a mom and soccer. Of course, I grew up playing soccer, so I love this. So tell us a little bit about the story.
1: So Marie (laughs) was shocked when she received this letter informing her that she had volunteered to coach her six-year-old son's soccer team. She had never volunteered to coach. She had signed up to do data entry. And when she called the other coach who was working on the roster, he said in very poor English that he had just moved to this country and he didn't know anything about soccer and he hadn't volunteered to be a coach either. Mm -hmm. So Marie called up and said, Hey, He didn't volunteer to be a coach. I didn't volunteer to be a coach. And they said, well, if you don't accept the coaching position, we're going to cancel the soccer season for the six-year-olds because nobody volunteered to be a coach. And so she decided she would do that "take it till you make it thing.
2: The first (laughs) thing
1: she did was she went to Walmart to buy a soccer ball, and she came home with a volleyball. (laughs) She didn't even know what the ball looked like. Uh, but she gradually learned and she coached these six-year-olds who didn't know anything about soccer anyway. She coached them as well as she could. And she said that she was forever changed by this because she tried something new and scary, mm-hmm. and she had made a difference to a lot of people.
0: Uh, you know, it's enthusiasm and I love the fact that she has that mom attitude, you know, okay, I got to take charge and do this. And so that's the beauty of the story. Uh, I, th- I think sometimes when we put in a circumstances like that, I know like, for example, my mom uh, in Malaysia, uh, she grew up in the generation where, you know, the, when you're old enough, it's kitchen 101. It's not a uh, great school. And I tell you what though, but she learned she had some volunteers to help her to know what an A looks like, a B, C and D. She couldn't care less what an E looks like. She knows what an F looks like. So when it's all said and done, every month when my sister and I show up with our report card, she knows what an A looks like. <laughs> what the D and an F looks like. So you can't fool her. That's funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so Chapter 10, Put Yourself Out There. And this story is really interesting. Plane, Trains, and Automobiles by Courtney Conover.
1: So Courtney Conover and I were having breakfast um, almost a year ago. I was out in Michigan and got together with her. And she told me about this job that she got while she was at University of Michigan undergrad. She had been working the night shift at the graduate library, but she wasn't making enough, enough money at that job um, to buy, you know, what she calls the little luxuries, like a new CD or an omelet at the cafe. And she wanted to build up some savings, too. And then the summer before her senior year, she had an internship at a PR firm. And the owner of the firm looked at her and thought, this girl is smart. She's attractive. She recommended her for a job as an auto show host. So, you know, go to the Mm -hmm. auto show and they have this attractive young man or woman who stands by the new car and (laughs) points out the features of the new car up on, you know, the carousel that the new car is on. So she went through a grueling interview process for the next couple of weeks. And then she was offered a position with Honda. And then she got trained for a month. And then she was ready for her first show, and off she went to Boston, Massachusetts. Now, she was 21 years old. She had flown before, but she had never flown alone before. So parking her car, getting the shuttle bus to the airport, navigating the airport, finding her gate, all of this was something she had never done alone before. And then when she reached Boston, she was thrilled to have her own hotel room, another first for her, And it was at the Copley Plaza Hotel, which is very nice. And then she learned how to take the subway in Boston to go to Filene's Basement. She had always wanted this Kate Spade tote bag. And she went to Filene's Basement, and there it was at a big discount. And so she did all these things for the first time. And that Kate Spade tote traveled with Courtney to auto shows all over the country that year. And I just thought, what a great story about a 21-year-old 20, trying something completely new and different. And, of course, that made her, that bolstered her self-confidence and, you know, mm-hmm. really changed the trajectory of her life because she had this new confidence that she could handle this stuff.
0: Yep, yep. I love this story. And, Amy, if you think about it, okay, even like for us, between 18 and maybe up to 25, certainly, that's that transition, we think we know it all. Maybe we don't, but then that's really hello world for us. That's true.
1: And that was Mm -hmm. a great experience for her and turned her into the adult that she became.
0: Right, right. So true. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter?
1: There's a really cool story in this chapter by N.L. um, Mm Zuniga. So she was um, a first-year law student And she went to the Hispanic Bar Association conference. She went alone because there was only one other Hispanic student in her law class, and that person didn't want to go. And so she flew to Chicago on her own. She took a cab to a hotel. She was on the phone with her mother constantly, and her mother just kept encouraging her. then she got to the conference, and she felt so out of place because everybody knew each other, and they were all talking, and she felt really lonely. But she attended seminars for the next two days at the conference, and she talked to whoever she was seated next to. And then the last night of the conference was a dressy dinner event, and luckily this lawyer she had met during the conference invited her to sit at his table, so at least she had somebody to sit with. And then that lawyer took her over to meet a judge from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, and Mm -hmm. that judge Gracious and soft-spoken, but wearing this striking red power suit. And she let NL take a photo with her. So NL has this photo with this lovely, you know, this lovely judge from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Well, it's one of her favorite souvenirs now of that legal conference, because guess who that judge was? Sonia Sotomayor, now on the Supreme Court.
0: So I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you all have so many amazing stories here. And the beauty of what I like about Chicken Soup for the Soul is that collection, giving everybody an opportunity. And I say this with full respect. We are ordinary people doing extraordinary things, but just someone that we can share our stories and empowering others and inspiring others. That's what I love about this. And that brings us to... The final chapter, chapter eleven, and the story that I really like, and this title of the title of this chapter is "Reach Out and Connect." And the story that I like is "Pardieu Français" by Mary Lane Kemper.
1: So this was a really cool story, and I actually took this to heart and decided I'm <laughs> going to do this. So. So Mary Lane said that she learned a whole new way of going to parties. When she attended a party at her niece's house, her niece is married to a French guy Mm -hmm. who teaches at a French immersion school. So they had this barbecue. They invited some French families from the school. And Mary Lane was accustomed to going to parties and talking to people she already knew. Mm -hmm. But what she saw at this party was different. Each time that a French couple arrived, they made sure to go around and introduce themselves to everyone at the party. There was no breaking off into smaller groups of people who already knew each other. You Mm -hmm. didn't feel that you couldn't break into a circle of people talking to each other. And so after the party, she asked her niece, is greeting every person a French party thing? And the niece said, yes. In France, you're expected to acknowledge each person's existence when you arrive. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So Mary Lane decided that she would do this when she went to a garden party at her friend's house. And so she ended up running across an old high school classmate who she never would have recognized. And that led to a conversation and learning what was going on that was very, very pleasant and fun. And she realized that she met so many interesting people at that party because she actually went around and introduced herself to people. And I thought, what a good thing to do. First of all, it's extremely polite right mm-hmm. because you're acknowledging mm-hmm. everybody but mm-hmm. also it opens up so many new possibilities for you because you're connecting with people who you would have deprived yourself of before if you only talked to people who you knew.
0: I love the story because it reminded me when I was uh, Rouge, Louisiana, I was incoming chairman of the board for the Baton Rouge Bes- businesses and convention bureau. And also I was on the commissioner, one of the commissions of the Baton Rouge sister cities. Uh, And guess what? Uh, I was sent to France to visit Paris. And Aix-en-Provence is our sister city. And so, like you were talking about, when I saw this French word, it was, like, very interesting. And the things that we talk about connecting with people, and till this day, I can introduce myself. Je m'appelle Johnny. Il Mm s'appelle Amy which is Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) you. I love it.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So do you have a story that you like in this chapter to close it out?
1: Well, this is another story about meeting somebody famous
0: because you dared
1: to step outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So David Brigham was in um, a class. It was black American literature and it was a summer class he took in college And one day the professor announced they were having a special guest, and he he needed a student to go over and meet the the surprise guest at the administration building and bring him over to the class. And David was the only one who volunteered. Well, guess who it was? It was Alex Haley. So David got to have a private conversation with Alex Haley all about writing and picked up some really great advice from him as he walked him back across the campus to their classroom.
0: That's amazing. Now you know you need to volunteer.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> what does Chicken Soup have for us this fall?
1: Well, we have some other books coming out. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: We have one coming out in September that I know you and I are going to talk about called Angels and the Miraculous. Mm-hmm. That's you know filled with awe-inspiring stories that you know, just make you wonder, like, how did that happen? And then we're going to have um, a book coming out in October called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Time for Christmas. Awesome. Uh, So that, you know, we always do a fun Christmas book. And then we have a really cool thing coming out in the fall. It's an Angels and Miracles coloring book. It's our first time doing an adult coloring book. And it's a unique combination of chicken soup for the soul stories on the left side and then the right side, an image to color in that, you know, has something to do with the story on the left side. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we think that it's an amazing coloring book. There's no other adult coloring book that offers you full stories on the left and then a beautiful page to color on the right.
0: That's beautiful. And the key word is adult.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's definitely an adult coloring book. Yes, not for children.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. That's really wonderful. What wonderful recipes would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well,
1: I guess I've been spending a lot of time thinking about what makes for a happy life. And so some of the key ingredients of happy life, in my opinion, are gratitude, you know, making sure that Mm -hmm. you deliberately count your blessings every day, Also, forgiveness, making sure that you use the power of forgiveness to liberate yourself from, you know, completely unproductive, you know, brooding over past resentments and insults and hurts. And then another key ingredient for happiness would be to step outside your comfort zone. It really makes a big difference, and I hope that everybody comes away from this one hour that we've spent together with their own resolve to step outside their comfort zone.
0: So true. I'll be the first one to say, do it. And I guarantee you, you'll be all smiles if you do that. <laughs> Amy, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, September 6th at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Coach Gary Waters. Coach Waters earned his reputation building college basketball programs. He was the winniest Coach In the history of Cleveland State University, among the many accolades Coach Waters received, he was named a master coach by the Nations of Coaches in 2015 and served on the board of the National Associations of Basketball Coaches. Coach Waters and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Ten Principles of a Character Coach. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day.
1: Thank you so much, Johnny.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.